to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. We are week two into a series on Ruth. I'm calling this series, Hope When You're at the End of Your Rope, Lessons from Ruth on Trust, Surrender, and Healing. And I'm super excited about what we've covered so far and just what I've been unpacking as I've been going through Ruth. I love how familiar stories in the Bible that we've grown up listening to or we just have heard that we can find new truths in them as we're walking through new seasons. I know that's certainly been the case as I've been going through Ruth, that even though it's a story that I grew up hearing about, it's one that I've been familiar familiar with, I've realized in looking deep into it that there are just lessons I didn't even know were there, and it's been very meaningful for me, and I hope you feel the same way. Last week, I kicked off the series just looking at Ruth 1, and just laying the kind of the groundwork for what's happening in the story. And we talked last week about walking in God's will and how walking in his will is not always going down the path that looks the most advantageous. That a lot of times he points us down a path that looks hard to us, doesn't look appealing. And yet that is the path that is going to be the best for us if he is pointing in that way. I want to continue this week with Ruth 1, but I want to even though we'll be looking at some of the same passages that we did last week, I want to expand on and and go in a little different direction than we did last week and talk about the idea that when we walk in God's will, we will come to places that I'm going to call breaking points. We will walk with him for a while and everything will be going great will be thriving in her relationship with him, will feel like things are going great. And then we'll come to a place that I'm going to call a breaking point, or you could call it a crossroad, but really we'll have a decision to make. And we'll be sort of have this pressure to an attention to go forward with Jesus into territory that could be scary or unknown or go back to what's comfortable and what we've known. Because when we are in a relationship with Jesus, we all have habits. We all have things that we used to rely on that God has us let go, but we can always return to those things. And sometimes we can be tempted to do so when the going gets tough. And that's certainly what we're going to see here as we talk about Ruth and the decision she makes in this story. I would love to say that the lessons I'm sharing with you on Ruth are those that I simply read about in a book, but the truth is that everything I share on the podcast and the blog is that which is coming out of my own life experiences, which God has a way. I didn't even know what I was signing up for when I became a blogger, but one of the things that really surprised me when I started really looking into scripture and teaching about different Bible verses, etc., is one of the things I didn't expect is that the way God would teach me would be to teach me in a very real way by lessons in my own life. And so it certainly helps to make the Bible come alive because it's not, it's one thing just to read about a story and then it's another to have those lessons lived out in your own life. But certainly these lessons from Ruth are those that I'm going through 
in my own life. So if you are going through some hard things and some of these passages and ideas we're talking about are particularly poignant, you can rest assured that they are for me as well. And not too long ago, I've been going through a study on radical obedience with a group at my church. And then of course, going through Ruth and Ruth has a lot of themes related to just walking in God's will and obedience and just perseverance, those kinds of themes as we shared, as I shared on last week. But recently I had this experience this week that was really odd for me and that I had just an overwhelming, relentless amount of what I'm going to call God assignments. Um, you know, frequently throughout my week or month, I should say, as I'm going about my day, I will frequently run into people that I feel like, you know, God will nudge me to say something to them or sometimes to pray for somebody or sometimes to share about him to someone but it's sort of woven into the everyday. It's not all the time. It's maybe every, you know, once in a while I'll come out, run across somebody, but then there's a lot of space in between where I'm just doing normal things like driving my kids to their activities or doing housework or shopping. But this particular week was odd in that it just seemed like every single day there was assignment after assignment with multiple people in the same day. These assignments were stretching a lot longer than a conversation. There were multiple steps to them. And I was feeling extremely overwhelmed just because they were, they were larger than I'd ever really had before. And it just, they kept on coming. It was such full force that I started really questioning, okay, am I hearing from God or is this just, or, you know, am, am I just hearing things, how, you know, it just seemed like one after another and even multiple people in the same place, which was really overwhelming to me. And there was a day in that week where I called to make an appointment and the call-in center that I called, there was one woman I talked to and I immediately felt to share some things with her about God. And then right after I talked with her, it was like, I just felt this urge. I was just to keep calling. There's multiple people that work at the call-in center. So I just kept calling and it was like each person I talked to, I felt like I was supposed to again, share with them. There was a, you know, someone that I prayed with. And the last person, there were five people. It was over a span of two and a half hours where I just felt God urging me to keep calling. And I talked to several different people, but the last person I talked to, I asked her if I could pray for her. And she was fine with it. Um, And by the way, I wasn't just calling and making things up. I actually had several appointments I had to make for other family members. So I hadn't planned to do it on that day. But when I felt like God was urging me to call, I just went ahead and made appointments for my whole family. So we could all just be set up. And so anyway, the last woman I talked to was really the fifth woman in this span of time. And after I got off the phone with her and had prayed for her, I felt like God said, call her back. Well, this is already after I'd already talked to people for on and off for about two and a half hours. I'm an introvert. I don't mind talking in front of people as far as giving a presentation, but one-on-one conversations sometimes can be very emotionally draining, especially with people that I don't really know that well. And so it was really, really stretching for me to have these conversations one after another, after another with complete strangers and knowing that 
they were also in a setting that was, you know, like professional that they probably were a little uncomfortable with me bringing up some of the things that I was, was as far as talking about spiritual things over the phone. It was a little bit stressful. And so I felt like I was supposed to call this one woman back. And I honestly really was resisting at this point because I had this overwhelming week where every day God had just stretched me. There was one day where I was driving home and felt like I was supposed to go back to the Walmart and talk to this one woman. And I was worried because my kids were about to get off the bus and I had to text my neighbor who I've used way too much to watch my kids. And I really didn't want her to have to watch them again. And so I was late because I was talking to this other woman and I just was feeling really, really stretched. And so I resisted when I felt like I had to call back one more time. And I really was complaining to God. I put my head in my arms and I was complaining and saying, God, I haven't even had lunch yet. You know, since when do you have me on the phone for two and a half straight hours? Or is this going to be an all day thing? Like, what is this? I don't even think I'm hearing from you anymore. How could you be asking this of me? I don't really understand. And so I was complaining. I felt like I heard in in my vo- in my mind. I just kind of the verse popped in my mind, not my will but yours be done, which of course the words of Jesus when he was on the way to the cross, he did not want to be crucified, but he wanted to do the will of the Father and knew he needed to do the will of the Father. So he chose to do it even though he didn't want to. But I I just was resisting and questioning a little bit and wondering, God am I really hearing from you? And so I later that I was either later that day or the next morning where I read in the study I'm reading, it's by Lisa Turkers and her daughter came to her and just said, or texted her. I can't remember what she did, either told her or texted her, said, Hey mom, can you pray for me? Because I feel like I'm supposed to fast and pray all day for my friend. And I've been doing that, but can you just pray that I'll make it through the whole day? Because I, I just feel like I'm not going to make it and I'm I'm hungry. And of course, her mom being over, you know, a protective, loving mom, of course, immediately replied, hey, why don't you just do it until five and then go ahead and have dinner? You know, I don't think God would ask you to necessarily go beyond that. I think that would be considered a whole day. And her daughter replied, no, mom, he's asking me to do the entire day, every meal, And here's Lisa, the Bible teacher, trying to talk her daughter out of it, which of course, you know, I think that we all have those places where we want the best for the people we love and we don't want to see them have to be uncomfortable or suffer. But her daughter held her own and made it through the day. But when I read that all day thing, I knew that God was really asking me to go ahead and he really did want me to call that fifth woman back. So I just said, you know, all right, God, if you want me to. And so I did, and I couldn't get in touch with her right away. She left me a message and then I called back and then, um, I ended up talking to another woman and I explained to her what I was doing. She must've thought I was a little insane. She didn't say that, but, and it may be that it was that woman that was supposed to hear that story of me just calling and being a Christian and sharing with others. The woman, it still is up in the air as far as we were never able to connect because there were so many people at the call-in center. And I finally, when I called her back, she sent a message saying she was going to call me back. And I'm still, still haven't been able to connect with her. But I felt just a release of, you know, I just went ahead and did. It didn't make sense to me, but I just went ahead and did it. And maybe it was more just 
for my own benefit. But what that just whole exercise, I think that God had me go through on that day showed me personally is just that there are places and that whole week, honestly, which was very overwhelming. There's still some assignments in that week I'm praying about because there, there was just a point on a few of those days. Some of those assignments he gave me, yes, I got through, but then a few of them, it it stretched me to the point where I just, I really resisted at, at the end. And I'm praying about some last steps to go back to, but really that week and that whole call-in center experience really showed me that I have places that boundaries up where I'm, I'm okay with a conversation with someone, but wow, I didn't, when God's asking me to do something all day, when I had planned something else, that was really, really stretching. And so all of us have those places where we may say, God, you can't go past this point, or I'm willing to do this, but not this. And he will show us exactly where those are by revealing those to us and and putting us in particular situations. In Ruth one, Ruth and her sister-in-law Orpah face an important crossroads. As we discussed last week, their father-in-law has, has died. He died about 10 years before, but then after that, their husbands, their husbands die and they set out with their mother-in-law from Moab. They're going to go to Judah. However, although all three of them travel with Naomi, their mother-in-law for some of the distance, when they get to a certain point, Naomi urges them to go back. The journey has been long and hard up to that point, and it has no promise of getting easier. If they continue on with her, they don't know what awaits them in Judah. It would be an unknown place to them. And also, there's no guarantee that they're going to find husbands. And for this particular day and time, a widow had very low status and had to be dependent on others. The The best thing that could happen for these two um, daughters-in-law would be to find husbands once again so that they could find provision and protection, um, in the home of a husband that it wasn't like today where women have a lot of freedom to do and take care of themselves. Um, this would have been, they would have been very limited. They were very limited in what they could do as, as, as widows. So we pick up the story in Ruth one, eight through 17. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought... There was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. So what can we learn from Orpah and Ruth's different reactions when brought to what I'm going to call a breaking point, that they had traveled a distance together, and then they come to a place where they have this choice, whether they will continue on or go back. 
The first point I want to draw is number one, getting to our promised land requires that we continually move forward, not back. All of us have promises that God has given us. And what we see in the story is the point where Orpah parted from Naomi and Ruth was possibly at the Jordan River. To go forward meant to push into the land promised and given to God's people, but to turn back meant moving backwards into a land that stood as an obstacle between the Israelites and the promised land when the Israelites initially set out to possess the land. So Moab was actually an obstacle, was something that stood in the way as they were going to possess the land that God had given them. So interestingly enough, here in the story, long after the Israelites have already settled in the promised land, here we see Orpah and Ruth at the Jordan River, that same place. And they have a choice to push forward into the to the land that um, we could say was the promised land or to turn back and go back to what they knew. Orpah did, as I mentioned, she traveled some of the distance. She was willing to go some of the distance, but she turned away and she decided to go home. And from everything we read about her, Orpah was a very caring daughter-in-law She was affectionate. She obviously cared very deeply. She cried at the prospect of going back, but she did not make any move to persevere past the feelings she was having at the moment. Therefore, even though she had traveled some of the distance and may even have intended from all everything we read, it seems like she intended originally to go the entire distance, but she turned back. When she was urged and maybe she just considered, maybe she didn't realize how hard the journey was going to be, or maybe she just thought for a moment about the lack of prospects for her in Judah and how much easier it would be if she went back to her mother's house and was able to find a husband once again. When we're reading the story, we may say, well, what's the big deal? You know, going back to your mom's house, isn't that a good thing to do? Well, yes, it is a good thing. But for Orpah, she was going back to her old gods that she was really leaving behind the one true God and going back to, yes, what would be easier, but turning away from God. And Ruth, on the other hand, clings tenaciously to Naomi and says, don't urge me to leave you. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. So she has that famous, what are now famous lines. But what we can really take about from this is that all of us have those places that will be breaking points for us if we're not careful. That we can travel a certain distance with Jesus and then we face an unexpected trial or we lose steam in our walk and we're tempted to turn away. So when we're at those points, what we can do is we can confess that we're having the the struggle to begin with, ask him to renew our resolve and ask him to help us make it past the point that threatens to break us. Number two, the second idea I want to bring out about this passage is pushing forward means pushing past the opposition. Ruth is on a fairly tough journey. If you actually look at how many miles Ruth and Naomi had to traverse between Moab And Judah is actually about 50 miles is what I've read. That's no small journey. And she was walking along this journey and that really wasn't easy 
And she must have felt a whole lot of emotions because she's leaving her homeland. She's leaving behind what she's familiar with. And also she's a widow. She's a recent widow. So she has all of the emotions associated with her husband dying. And she must have been in kind of a tough place, not knowing what lay ahead. And not only that, but she has to push ahead even when opposing voices tell her not to take such a difficult path. Naomi urges Ruth to return to her own people so she can find rest once again in the home of a new husband. Naomi, what we learn in the the book of Ruth is Naomi is a godly woman. It's most likely Naomi who introduced her daughters-in-law to to God and acts in very godly ways throughout the book of Ruth and gives Ruth some great advice that she follows later in the book of Ruth. But here we see that that the advice that she's given her daughters-in-laws, she's more concerned about their physical well-being really more so than their their spiritual well-being. And she's urging them to go back to their homes because she feels that they will be better provided for. She worries that they will not find husbands. And yet to do so is really to walk away from the God that she's introduced them to. And what she's really urging Ruth to do is find rest. Once again, what that really would mean is that in that day and time, a woman's role very much centered around being a wife and mother. And therefore, her daughter-in-law, her only hope of finding security and provision, again, would be in the home of a husband. And she's very worried. And that shows that her concern for them. But at the same time, sometimes walking in the will of God does lead us to the harder road. And our ultimate concern should always be what would God's will be for us. Ruth does a truly noble thing in that she understands that the only rest she needs is that which she finds in Naomi's God. So she maintains her insistence that she go with Naomi and Naomi relents. However, Ruth's move, as as we talked about and touched on briefly last week, is very bold because she has no promise of protection or provision once she arrives in Judah. The other, the other opposition that Ruth has to push past is not only Naomi telling her not to come with her, but the other opposition that's there is that Orpah decides to turn back and really draws back. And this is a different type of Orpah's not standing telling her not to continue on, but it must have been very discouraging and disheartening for Ruth when Orpah the sister-in-law that had traveled with her, that she was comfortable with, that was a fellow Moabite, decides, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going back. And I think that what we can gather from reading this is that we're going to have situations in our life where we thought that we would have certain individuals that would travel the distance with us or we would have their support. And they maybe take a step back or maybe our relationship changes with them as we grow closer to Jesus. Because when we grow closer to him and we change that it 
changes the dynamics of a relationship. Maybe the people were around that maybe they haven't made those changes or maybe they're not understanding of the places God is taking us. And that can be very difficult. And so Ruth is in a place where Orpah is not willing at a certain point to, to go any further. And so Ruth has to go on alone and this would have been tremendously difficult. And so what we can kind of take away from this section is that when we're walking in the will of God, we do need people who will give us godly counsel. We do need godly friends, but there are times God will allow a test in our lives where the counsel that others give us is against what counsel God has given us. And where we don't have the support that we would want and we may feel very alone. Now, God will provide help and aid to us, but it just may not be from the, from a whole host of people or the sources that we originally thought would provide that. So even in those circumstances, we should not be discouraged from going on, but keep walking down the path that God has for us. Number three, the third point I want to bring about is our breaking points may not be far from God's blessings. So here Ruth is walking through a whole lot of hardship in Ruth one, where she has recently lost her husband. She's on a very long journey to a place she doesn't know about and is unknown to her leaving behind her country, her home, and it appeared that Ruth would only find more tragedy in leaving behind these promising connections in Moab and all that was familiar, but she, in fact, by choosing to follow God, walked straight into unimaginable blessing. However, she could not have known what awaited her down the road. She walked blindly after God and she didn't know. And by blessing, I don't mean necessarily that when we follow God, that we're going to somehow get to a bigger house, a bigger car, or everything in our life is going to be upgraded. That's not what I'm talking about. God does sometimes bless us in that way. But the greatest blessing is always the peace of walking in his will. And that's more the blessing I'm talking about here. Ruth, if we fast forward in the story, Ruth indeed does find a husband. And bears a son in the lineage of Jesus that she's woven into the story, God's story. And here she is at the beginning of Ruth in a hard circumstance. And God uses that difficult situation and even turns it around in a way that only he could. And what we can gather from that is sometimes our biggest blessings await us on the other side of our pain, while it might appear that nothing but suffering and hardship await us when we walk in God's way, we see that God can work in any circumstance and turn it around for good. A.A. Thompson in the Biblical Illustrator has this to say, how unfit we are to judge of an unfinished providence and how necessary it is if we would understand aright the reasons of God's ways that we should wait and see the web with its many colors woven out. Three short months during which those dark providences were suddenly to blossom into prosperity and joy would give to that sorrowful woman another interpretation of her long exile in Moab. When the night seems the darkest, we are often nearest the dawn. 
Begin to tune thy harp, O weeping saint and weary pilgrim. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Learn to wait. When the great drama of our earth's history is ended, God will again pronounce all to be very good. So what it's saying in that passage is that if many of us would simply wait and be patient and see how God is going to work out what he's trying to work out in our story and not push ahead of him, not try to find the escape, but simply rest in where he has us at the moment that we may find shortly that there, the dark clouds are going to part and that there is blessing waiting on the other side of our pain. And we don't know what is on the other side, but even if it looks dark now that there is good coming and we need to rest wherever we are and not try to escape what hardship we have. If, if God's will is, if we're walking in God's will and has come our way. I want to wrap up by saying all of us will reach places in our spiritual walk that threaten to break us. We may say, Lord, I did not expect this. I can't take another minute of this. We may want to turn away. We may want to resist, escape. We can learn from Ruth, though, that a woman who perseveres is a woman who finds blessings. On the other side of her pain, we may not always know or understand why God allows what he does or why we're in the situations we're in. But we can trust that all works for good for those who love God and walk in his ways. I'm going to pray in a moment. But I hope that this is um, an encouraging message to you that if you're in a tough place, a tough situation to hold on. If you feel like you've been holding on for a long, long time to hold on a little bit longer and see what God plans to do in your circumstance. As far as the uh, podcast, um, I am getting this out a little late, guys. I am sorry about that. I said, I believe I said on the blog that it would be early in the week and I'm super late in the week. I'm still getting into the routine of things with the new um, podcast schedule. Right now, I'm just going to say it's going to come out during <laughs> during the week. I'm a stay-at-home mom and some situations that just prevent me from being able to get it out as soon as I would want this week, particularly with some appointments and things, I just wasn't able to. So if you're waiting on that next episode, just know it's going to come out during during the week to the best of my ability. And so thank you for your patience with that. And I apologize this one wasn't out that early. I had some circumstances that came up that just prevented me from getting it out as in a, in a manner as timely as I wanted to. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Jesus, dear Lord, thank you so much for stories like Ruth in your word that can encourage us, that show us people who lived in really hard times, but then were brought out of it by your grace. And Lord, help us to just be encouraged in our own situation, that if we're walking through a hardship, to be patient, to wait, to not try to resist, to not get out, to not try to work out a different plan than you have for us, but to trust knowing that your way is always best. Even if it looks dark right now, even if it looks like suffering is always going to be our our lot on every side, that we would just be patient and know that you are working all things out for our good, that Lord, the best thing we can do right now is walk down the path you have for us, whatever that holds. Help us to trust you 
If we are having difficulty trusting or obeying, Lord, help us. If we need to take a, if we need to turn back because we've gotten off track, help us to do that now and make the decision, Lord. Help us just confess wherever we've maybe fallen short. And Lord, help us always look to you for the right path, knowing that you always will lead us in the best way. In Jesus' name, amen.